Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud loyalty solution. Personalization should be integrated into the entire customer experience, including, of course, your loyalty program. With this in mind, Epsilon recently released a guide outlining six key components that will put you on the path to personalizing your entire loyalty experience. This guide challenges you to do some housekeeping and reconsider how you think about your current and future loyalty personalization efforts. So, to download your copy of the report, visit epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello and welcome to episode 200 of Let's Talk Loyalty. And even as I say that, I can't believe I'm recording and releasing my 200th show. So before I get into talking about today's guest, I want to first of all thank my team. First of all, James, who's been with me as my editor since the very beginning, and also Carolyn, my new show producer. This would definitely not be possible without both of you. So thanks a million to you, James, and to you, Carolyn. Then, of course, the show simply wouldn't make sense if it wasn't for all of you listening. Would you believe that every show is listened to by about 500 people all over the world? I find that truly extraordinary and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for all that you do to listen to the show, to share it with your colleagues and to send me in your questions and feedback. So thanks a million for being part of my incredible journey. Now on to today's guest, who is also quite extraordinary. Lars Hecht is a true marketeer at heart and a man who has taken some huge decisions to try some radically new ideas for his business. They were also quite risky, but they've definitely proven to be hugely successful. Lars Hecht is the global lead category director for Car Wash for Circle K, a world-famous retail brand that operates gas stations, convenience stores, and also car wash services. Today, Lars shares some of the most important lessons that he has learned launching car wash subscription services in several markets, with some extraordinary insights on how different customers have behaved, and how Circle K has had to balance their value propositions to ensure they stay profitable in each of those markets. We also discuss some unexpected ways to use beacon technology to drive operational efficiencies, as well as the importance of being brave enough to risk failing when you're developing new ideas to drive your customer loyalty. So I hope you enjoy listening to Lars Hecht from Circle K's car wash team as much as I did. Lars Hecht, I've waited a long time to have you on the podcast, so I'm really pleased to welcome you, first of all, to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you very much, Paula. I'm very pleased to be here. 
Wonderful. So I want to um, talk with you all things subscription, Lars. I think we've um, we've talked about this together before. Um, the context being an article I wrote about the Circle K car wash subscription subscription program. Pardon me, about eighteen months ago originally. But before we talk about all of your incredible work and that innovation, as you know, I always like to get some insight in terms of what loyalty programs you like or use or respect. So let's start off, Lars, with the usual opening question. Please tell me your favorite loyalty program. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Paula. Yeah, well, um, I think this is going to be... on my tombstone that it, it's not one size fits all and it depends on where you are because I'm gonna I'm gonna probably speak about two loyalty programs and not just one and it depends on where I am obviously uh, I'm born and raised in Denmark and I've done a lot of my traveling in Europe mm-hmm. and in, in Denmark um, and and there uh, there is an airline called uh, SAS Scandinavian Airlines system they have a euro bonus program mm-hmm. I like that very much because it creates what is very, very much needed in that region, uh, fast track uh, at access to lounges and, and last minute check-in and, and all that thing. So you can come straight to the airport and, and walk straight in basically uh, with the preferred st- or priority status. Okay. Very, 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 very important for me. Um, if, if I'm in Europe, if I'm in the US where I live now, um, it's it's different, and of course SAS does not exist over here. But then it's American for me, and mm. the reason why is not because of the fast track service or the lounge access, because that does not literally exist in the in the US anymore, especially after the pandemic. Mm. But this is the priority you get when you get on board a plane, when you have access to to flights, uh, when you have availability in the in the in the in the planes, um, last minute changes, cost optimization, etc. So it's basically, and, and this is my point, it's not one size fits all. A loyalty program needs to be good where it is in that particular region and yeah. not uh, necessarily across the world. So two loyalty programs uh, stands out for me, Eurobonus mm-hmm. in, in the European market and mm. American Airlines in the US market. Brilliant, brilliant. Super fascinating, Lars. Yeah, I absolutely agree that um, every country absolutely has its own requirements. And, and it's something actually that I'm very pleased has come out through a lot of the conversations that I'm having with people because... A lot of the time, I think certainly with them, big companies and Circle K is such a huge company, it's probably a lot simpler to say, you know, let's build one brand, obviously globally, which absolutely makes sense. But, you know, you always add complexity in when you start tailoring to local markets. But I think it's the only key to success. And I I, I know you've done a huge amount of work on that with your car wash proposition. So I'd love to get into the whole I suppose, subscription concept for you, Lars, because as I mentioned, I wrote an article, interviewed you back in 2020. Um, I was working with our friends in Liquid Barcodes at the time. And I was really amazed with um, the depth of research that you had done in terms of coming to the conclusion that a subscription business model made sense for the car wash industry. So I guess my first question is, you know, maybe just to explain to listeners a bit about your journey in terms of that whole process, because you put so much work and time into making your decision. 
Yeah, thanks, Boulder. Uh, obviously, we're a team, and, and without a team, I'm nothing. Uh, so I have a regional <laughs> in US, and one in Canada, and one in Europe, and a fantastic support about analytics and insights. This whole company uh, that I'm proud uh, to be associated with and working for is, is built on insights and analytics. Um, my first boss in this company said, it doesn't really matter what you think or what I think. Yeah. It matters what the customer thinks. So we always make a very high priority of asking our customers what do they think what is their opinion what do they believe and that's what we rule on and that's how we develop this program because a subscription can be many, many things and and eventually it's all about loyalty and making sure that people uh, keep their business with you uh, yeah. whoever is offering the subscription program so you can say it's either a loyalty program or not but it's it's in in my opinion a very important tool in the loyalty box subscription in, in many ways are volume driver uh, it, it adds a substantial volume to any category and it kind of uh, uh, makes a bet for the whole category and especially in cars where we have seasonality and weather conditions super important to have a foundation in the category which keeps on paying whether it's raining or snowing or good weather or not so basically we started asking ourselves how can we make uh, what what uh, what does success look like when we're at the end of this project and as we develop the platform, which is a global platform, and we are a global player with more than 15,000 stores and more than 2,700 car washes on those locations. Mm. We, we of course, have a, a foundation, which is our brand, our concept, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we started out with one solution, and quite honestly, we ended up with three solutions. And as we implement this in the different markets, I'm sure we'll see um, many shadows or many shapes that will be different from originally thought. And I think that's part of uh, the, the journey to success is to listen to your markets, to listen to your customers, mm. to understand what they want and what they don't want. And then you adjust accordingly. You can do that within a framework and an umbrella. Uh, you just need to uh, be aware of these changes and constantly measure the success we do that through uh, NPS, mm -hmm. uh, Net Promoter Score, mm -hmm. where we constantly ask uh, people about uh, certain initiatives and basically if they would be willing to recommend this to uh, mm -hmm. any of, of their close relatives. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're huge fans of NPS on this show, Lars, as you know. So um, wonderful to hear that you're building that into your feedback model. But, but I'd love to pick up on um, the research that you mentioned, Lars. So... For me, it's very clear that, you know, every business needs to think about subscription, whether they decide to launch and go ahead, of course, is a different decision. But I absolutely believe it has huge power, as you said, and I think you use some nice terminology around becoming a stabilizer for the business. Mm. And I thought that was a, a brilliant word, actually, Lars, because seasonality must be an absolutely huge factor for the car wash industry. Um, and you really explained that very clearly. But while I understand the business um, rationale, I'd love to hear some insights on what did the customers actually say to you? Like, like in some ways, it's it's a little counterintuitive to me. If I can go and wash my car whenever the weather is right, you know, to use the seasonal piece mm. uh, or the seasonal idea, then I only pay when I actually need the service. So why mm. did they like subscription, which clearly they do, given that you've, you know, expanded globally, as you said? 
Yeah. So part of the uh, reason is that people find car wash uh, in many regions, no matter where it's US or, or Europe, uh, to be an, an, a relatively expensive, uh, but a, a very a nice thing to add uh, to your uh, everyday commute, uh, okay. to have a nice, nice shining car. Uh, oh, that yeah. makes everybody feel uh, good. And that's what we uh, understood. Uh, it makes you feel good. Uh, it makes you feel uh, content. It boosts your ego, et cetera. So everybody basically wants to look good. I mean, you, people dress up to go to the office, to go to events. And, and the car is, is part of that journey. And mm-hmm. when you arrive, whether you're a salesperson or whether you're going to a funeral or you're going to any kind of event, people will always look at you uh, and the vehicle that you're arriving in. And that's that's kind of the label you will have. The, the foundation that we want in the category is a consistent payment of some sort uh, to to, to provide us with the with the uh, stabilizing uh, elements of this category, which is very weather depending and seasonality depending. Mm, mm. Where I live in, in in North Carolina, we got the pollen effect, uh, and, and everybody excited about that. Up in Canada, it's the snow and slush, which is exciting people. So mm. it's really about where do you live and and what triggers uh, customers' behaviors. So once we uh, understood that it's all about the shine, it's all about feeling good. And, and clean and, and presenting an image of, of yourself or your family whenever you travel, mm-hmm. then we could start uh, shaping that offer. We have a premium wash uh, seasonality uh, uh, adjusted as well. Mm-hmm. And that's part of our offer in our subscription program. Mm-hmm. We believe uh, in most markets, but not all markets, and that's the interesting part, that mm-hmm. we should have an offer that hits uh, three or four different packages. Now, we've made one uh, change in one market, uh, where we only offer one package, and that's the very top package. Mm-hmm. And that's because we can't afford um, to offer more vo- or to get more volume in uh, because we have such a tremendous seasonality that if we add more volume at a lower price, we're actually losing out on business. But mm-hmm. what we learned in some markets is that customers in certain European markets have a very uh, flat usage of their uh, uh, subscription program. We, it starts with the honeymoon period, which is what we mm. call the first month, perhaps two. Okay. Everybody excited. It's just like going to the gym. Everybody is excited. <laughs> they'll yeah. go there every day and they, they'll try and, and, and use as much as possible. And then what we also see is after a month or two, well, I know that's by my own uh, experience, then perhaps the gym is not the most exciting place to be uh, every day. And mm. the same with the car was. And so we see people fall off and in months two and three, they come to a certain a level of excitement with whatever product they've done. And, and then uh, it kind of falls to an average. What we see in Europe is so far, and we have only rolled out to uh, one about to get this hit the second market in Europe, is that there is a, the honeymoon period, and then it falls down to a certain factor. If if you take that factor and then look at the U.S., that factor multiplies by two in the U.S. So wow. people in the U.S. that has a subscription, exactly the same program, exactly the same setup, they yeah. use it three times as much in the U.S. Now, if we go up to Canada, it's even a multipliable by six times. It's really 
amazing to see how people uh, uses these programs differently. And there, that's things you need to consider when you do your math, when you do your price setting, when you do your calculation, when you do your communication. And that's what you need to think about to uh, do your retention of your customers uh, after the campaign period. So wow. lots of interesting insights. Uh, mm. We did not know this when we started this whole journey. We've learned a lot. Uh, basically, when I started saying to my my management team, we need to have a subscription system, a subscription program. We had no idea where this would end. And I'm mm -hmm. sure I'll be even more surprised in a couple of years down the road because I don't <laughs> think it's one size fits all. And we keep on learning uh, uh, new things around this concept. Very in in interesting and very insightful um, as we continue this journey. Wow. Well, I think I said to you before, Lars, this show is all around education and inspiration. And you've certainly delivered on that with such incredible insights. I remember you said to me when we spoke that time in 2020 that it felt almost like stepping on ice when you launched the subscription program. And remind me, was that the US? Was that the first market you launched in for, for subscription? We actually simultaneously launched in, uh, in Denmark in, in one of our European markets and in uh, the uh, North American market, the Heartland in the Chicago area uh, at okay. the same time. And then uh, we, we added Canada as a step three. Um, we've gotten a total uh, uh, rolled out commercialization in, in, in Denmark now. We're having all the other uh, countries lined up as well as uh, US now. Mm. Uh, we, we work in business units. So uh, we we launched completely in three business units and uh, in in the US and three up in Canada is now uh, we're getting everything in now uh, because we understood the, the mechanism we understood the mechanics we understood the mm. uh, mathematics uh, the revenue um, and 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 we're very pleased with the results um, but it has been quite a journey and and it's been uh, an an interesting uh, education for us as well as for uh, our our management team, uh, because when you have a very profitable category and you say, let's give it away for whatever uh, <laughs> a certain number of months, people start shaking their heads and say, this is never going to work, my friend. You're going to be without a job very soon. Yeah. I don't think so. I think uh, this is, uh, well, you can say you don't want to have a subscription system and then customers will probably look for other suppliers of this service because the the whole world is subscription look at books look at uh, music look at whatever you do it's subscription it has a subscription offer uh, mm. attached to it and i think that's uh well we haven't seen the end of this uh, in the near future for sure and i think you know it'll be fascinating to see it in other categories lars you mentioned, you know, two airlines, obviously, at the beginning of the uh, the discussion. So I can definitely hear a lot of people, even in that industry, wondering what they can do with the subscription model, which is yeah. um, a very different proposition, obviously, to, you know, what you're doing in the car wash category. And I do think what um, what you've managed to do, you know, from, you know, the positioning piece of, of innovation, I think, has immense value, of course, to, to a brand like Circle K. But also, I think what you've managed to achieve, Lars, is that first mover advantage, because I really think that once a customer does sign up and you've talked to me, for example, about, you know, customers actually tend to stick with one location. So there is a lot of loyalty to single locations. But I also think that, you know, if you do have a subscription product, 
you can certainly expect that they won't ever go for a car wash to any competitor. Like Circle K can then assume, I guess, for your modeling, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that you can get 100% share of wallet in terms of the car wash category with your customers. That's exactly why we do this. And and, and without being able to uh, put hard numbers to this uh, for obvious reasons, we see that uh, we actually build traffic and we, we, we uh, get a bigger um, average uh, purchase out of our customer or an average spend. Um, and we the whole traffic piece is so important, right? Because whether you have a uh, normal combustion engine or whether you are in markets where uh, EV charging is, is big or hybrid or in between, um, you got to have, uh, you, people gotta have to hydrate, they have to have a clean car. We know that's important for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's all about driving traffic to our sites. Our colleagues in, in other departments is doing um, other types of subscriptions. I'm sure you're aware of uh, our yeah. program called Sip and Save and so on. Very yeah. interesting things. I don't think we've seen the end to this. I think what is important and what we were um, able to um, to crack a code with our supplier, Liquid Barcode, um, was the fact that we didn't need all the fancy uh, hardware that we normally see in in other types of industries in the commerce business with RFID tags, with the installation of those, maintenance of those, the whole hardware piece of readers and, and beamers and whatever they're called. We only use customers' unique cell phone because we believe that this is a probably the most personal thing you have is your phone. Yeah, You would never think about giving your phone away to anyone else. A lot of us have Apple Pay or any other uh, uh, wallets uh, with uh, our credentials. Uh, in some markets, you even can put your driver's license in there yeah. and, and or in your, in your um, uh, f- uh, watch as well. So mm-hmm. I believe that the phone is, is pretty much the only thing you won't have hand over to someone uh, else, but uh, your absolute closest people and perhaps not even them. Uh, and that's why we made the phone as the as a very unique identifier in mm. our subscription so, system. So we don't need all these uh, fancy hardware installation. And with a big operation like ours, with more than 2,700 locations, I mean, can you imagine the installation uh, cost uh, for hardware, uh, approximately five to $10,000 uh, 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 a location? Yeah. It's, it's going to kill the business. So very uh, pleased with the solution we found with the... Uh, uh, geofencing with the uh, unique phone identifier and the plan. We even have family plans where you can have children uh, is what we call them in the family plan. And, and that can be business plans as well uh, with, with children. Uh, however many uh, children or associates you want to a plan, you can build it and module it just exactly as you want. And that is what we need in convenience store. Uh, that's flexibility and not one size fits all. And then we need uh, for sure a very low investment uh, demand yeah because of the margins of course absolutely and i'd forgotten about that point lars because again i was all about the the loyalty piece and the you know the the actual commercial side of the decision but you know i guess it was obviously pre covid in fact when you were going through this thought process so the the cost of potential hardware and eliminating that need was extraordinary as you said you found a solution to do that but also i guess if the activation for the car wash is in the control of the 
individual subscriber. There's also the hygiene benefits, I guess, as well, yeah. which would have yeah. stood you in good stead through the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And we actually uh, we 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 are now on stage three now in our development. And as we started this program, we said let's let's just uh, make sure the phone speaks with the outdoor payment terminal. So as the customer drives up, mm. uh, you'll have to uh, scroll down your window and then enter a code that you will receive on your phone uh, on your uh, outdoor payment terminal. Uh, we moved to second phase, which was let's use a QR code because of the pandemic. Let's not touch the screen, just put up the camera and, and use a yeah. QR code to identify that you're on the right location in front of the car wash bay and not in front of the on the on the pump on the forecourt. And because that could be a risk, uh, a yeah. safety risk uh, for sure. Mm. And now, now the third thing that we're doing and uh, actually adding to our business in the US and uh, soon Canadian market is a beacon. It's a little bit backwards in the technology, but we want to want to make sure that we have a good customer interface. We understand that people have different settings on their phones and different uh, um, per permissions to be recognized and, and communicate with other devices. And that's why now we're installing a very inexpensive, uh, but very reliable beacon so that as you roll up to the outdoor payment terminal, the beacon will ping you and say, hello, uh, Ms. Paula, we see you're here. Would you like to activate your wash? And then you do everything from your phone. You don't rely on QR codes, anything. The beacon will communicate and establish communication with your phone. And woof, you, you make your choices on your own personal phone, in your own personal space, inside your vehicle. And the whole thing unfolds in front of you. It's pretty cool stuff. That's incredibly cool stuff, Lars. Um, the beacon part, I had no idea that you were starting to work, as you said, in probably something that in my mind I have dismissed as a technology that felt like it was just going to be used to spam people with offers when they walked <laughs> into a certain location because like I've only seen marketing uh, case studies, you know, mm -hmm. certainly in my experience. Now, maybe I'm just not aware of the power of beacons, but it's the first time I've heard it being used in an operational context like that. We wanted to, we, we experienced some uncertainties uh, and, and some uh, irregularities in our current system. And it's all about improvement, right? And it's all about learning. And we're, we're not too proud to say that we can improve and, and probably should keep on improving things. And we yeah. just understood that we need a more precision. We needed, um, one of my colleagues said, why do I have to open my window? Why do I have to do all these things? Why don't you just provide it to me inside my vehicle and I can do that? Well, that is what we've done now and successfully implementing it. Uh, we're doing it together with an EMV rollout that we have to do anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's it's really a win-win for everybody and a pretty cool solution. It's a super cool solution, Lars. And I know my brain is going to be in overdrive now, wondering how beacons can be used for other operational things that I might need. You know, well, um, yeah, there you go. But I think there is a fine line here because we can pump uh, messages out. We can prompt people and we can reach them on the forecourt and so on and so forth. I think we need to find a very nice balance of not misusing the uh 
yeah. the, 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 the opportunity will. here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. this is actually meant as a tool to help uh, giving a seamless customer experience and, and, and make the whole flow go very easy. And it's it's quite uh, difficult, actually, to get the beacon just to react within a few feet or meters around the outdoor payment terminal because you can get it to reach all the way out to the uh, on the road, on the main road, which is not really what we want with this beacon. Uh, so I think it's a fine balance here, not to uh, spam people if you, you if you want to use that uh, expression. Exactly. No, as I said, if it's exclusively used um, in a sales context, I don't think I would welcome it. But no. again, I suppose because travel is such a big part of the loyalty industry, and again, we're all hopefully being able to get back into travel. I'm also thinking, could it be used in those kind of, you know, uh, context and environment? To your point earlier about what SAS is doing, so. Definitely one to watch, um, Lars. I think beacons definitely have a whole new purpose in the loyalty industry that I simply wasn't aware of before. There you go. I think uh, I think uh, as we speak about loyalty and as we speak about subscription, I think it's one and the same and then yet not because uh, yeah. we got very, very uh, skilled and, and good colleagues working on a, a, a loyalty program and a revitalization of this uh, as a global brand and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. And I think we as a subscription, as the powers category and other categories for that matter, with our subscription fits very well into that. But it's not necessarily the rewarding part. The, the subscription should be re- rewarding in itself and has it have, have its own uh, customer value proposition and mm. it all uh, its own uh, intent and purpose. Mm. But it could uh, and it should uh, b- blend in with the entire. A loyalty platform and 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 leading towards a loyalty of uh, towards the brand. I mean, it's a big jungle out there. We like to be uh, the ones. Uh, I'm sure others have the same desire to stand out and be something special. Mm. And and aside from offering a good uh, quality car, was dry, uh, a clean and dry and shiny car, then we also like to keep people hydrated on the road, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm. and well fueled with the quality. Uh, fuel uh, delivery as well. So yeah, I think there's a lot of things in in loyalty, uh, and and I think it's super interesting. And just one one part of it, it could and is, in my opinion, subscription. Uh, totally. Very important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned to me as well, Lars, last time we met, that uh, you are certainly continuing to bring in, I suppose, expert resources into your own team, I suppose, to, yeah. to continue to, to learn. And that's incredible. I'd love to know what, what are your kind of resourcing plans in order to uh, to keep this as, as compelling as it is? I'm super excited to report that we're uh, actually onboarding a subscription director uh, as of uh, 28th of March, um, a, a gentleman coming from the uh, telecom industry. I'm super excited to announce that uh, on the 28th of March. Um, we, we are a global organization and very proud to be part of a huge global uh, brand. Yeah. And so uh, the, the director will be uh, responsible for the subscription concept program uh, with me or towards me, uh, 
um, and and be servicing uh, our our three regions as of now, mm-hmm. uh, Canada, US, and Europe. Uh, we also have identified another uh, position that we are filling um, or expanding to as a business development uh, of subscription. Because as I said to you, we constantly learn, mm-hmm. and and besides from running the business and the category, which is our daily work, we must uh, ensure that we have focus on any future developments in this category. So that's why we we made some changes and upgrades to our organization. So uh, pretty soon set for uh, another interesting adventure and a new uh, mm-hmm. learning curve uh, with new resources. I, very, very distinguished resources from this uh, very special trade. I mean, um, it, it's not easy to find good people these days. Everybody knows that. And it's a very hot market. I mean, we're we're competing with the Amazons, the Spotify's, the YouTube, whatever they're called. The, the subscription is a new trade. And, yeah. and those people that understand these uh, algorithms and, and and customer behavior trends and, and movements, they are in, in high demand. Uh, I can tell mm. you that. But I'm very excited to um, report we'll get a, a super resource starting very soon. For sure. No, you're absolutely right. You know that expertise is extraordinarily popular and in demand and thrilled to hear that you found somebody that you're so excited about. And you have a big team of um, data analysts as well, if I'm right, Lars, uh, yeah. in order to help with your modeling, don't you? Yeah, I mean that's a key of whatever we do. Um, we we have a, a our CMO have introduced us uh, when he got into the company uh, some years ago to a model of of how to pilot alpha beta commercialization and then market rollout. And yeah. we have a whole project organization that runs around this and 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 supports this. We do the idealization. Uh, we we scope out the projects. We let them run for a certain point of time. We got insights and and analytics uh, supervising us and working for the pilots and mm. and it, it we have a very nice uh, atmosphere around this it's actually we're actually expected to fail and that oh. sounds a bit uh, that's that's a <laughs> that's, that's not what i was expecting <laughs> no no exactly but that's very interesting our 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 cmo said to us uh, if you don't fail you haven't tried hard enough so so wow. it's quite it's quite uh, appreciated when we uh, recognize that we we've done something we shouldn't have done, yeah. uh, and and failing is absolutely permitted. Uh, we just need to make sure we don't repeat that error again, and totally. that we take learnings. So it's it's pretty cool. Uh, um, Wow. atmosphere uh, within this whole setting that we constantly have a lot of pilots going on and we have a lot of things undercover and then when we bring them out they're all vetted and and proved and and yeah. and, and, and documented through analytics and insights because there's both a soft side as well as a hard side to to a, a successful pilot yeah. i mean you do customer intercepts you you do nps you do uh in-depth interviews of people of customers of selected groups mm. we use usability hubs uh, to get people's first-hand impression on things and mm. then we use of course analytics uh to to dive into the numbers and predict uh, test we call it a test and burn platform mm. yeah 
Yeah, absolutely incredible, Lars. Um, you've reminded me of a quote, actually, and I love that your CMO has that um, extraordinary trust across the organization to give you permission to be brave, to, to try new things. And, and I suppose, as you said, you know, permission to get it wrong once and, you know, please God, all of the learnings will mean that you'll continually, as you said, uh, continually improve. But you reminded me of a quote actually as well. And um, it's a very famous gentleman. His name is Reid Hoffman. And he actually created uh, LinkedIn. He actually developed um, the concept and built that um, incredible network. And Reid Hoffman apparently said that if you're not embarrassed by what you're doing today, one year from now, then you've launched too late. Like literally... And you know what I can tell you, Lars, it certainly gave me permission to launch a podcast when I had no idea what I was doing. And, you you know, it's just an incredible insight. So I love that you have all of that trust going on. Yeah, that's uh, that was a total uh, shift of paradigm when uh, when uh, uh, Kevin Lewis started here. And and we've got so much focus. We got a whole entire uh, pilot organization to support any of our categories. So it's super exciting environment and and that's uh i mean we cannot all uh live of the same uh customers we got to differentiate and you only differentiate by testing out new things and and Mm. conquer new customers yeah exactly let the market decide what they want and uh then deliver it for them to the best of your ability yes wonderful You shared with me something else, Lars, which I found really uh, useful. And I know it's just, um, I suppose, a guideline for people listening, but it's the concept of what percentage of your customers you might want to be subscribers. Because I think there's a number of different, um, I suppose, views around, I suppose, different categories, you know, mm. whether 40% or 70% of your, you know, your business should come from subscribers versus those ongoing, you know, I suppose, one by one transactions. Mm. So what's your view on what a successful, I suppose, penetration is of subscription versus your overall business? Yeah, excellent. Um I uh, it, it's it's a tricky one because I think again it's not one size fits all and I think it may be different from category to category mm-hmm. in the car wash business which is traditionally a relatively high margin uh, mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard market uh, communications and and ideas and conversations and and people saying up to a seventy percent is is okay. It's probably in the tunnel business that really runs on volume. I, I think uh, if 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 I were if we can land somewhere around the 35 40% I would be very pleased. I mean as a as a customer uh, sorry as a supplier you don't want to be too dependent on something you want to mm. spread out your risk and I think a 35 40% uh, uh, split towards a subscription would be a very nice um uh, this platform to to operate from as i said again and and that's why we like subscription in the car wash business because of seasonality some drops off uh, during summer and some come back during winter and it's our job and our task to figure out what keeps them around for the yeah. next season to start and that's the whole retention discussion the algorithms the, um uh, i read a book where people said it's it's all about understanding 
before the customer realizes that the customer will exit, and then at least at the very moment when the customer exits, be there with the right offer that mm. will keep that customer going uh, for another period. We we talk about buckets, uh, and buckets is is our month, and and we look on a thirteen buckets period of time mm-hmm. where we see how people um, retain or are retained in the system, uh, because of course we all know that we have acquisition. A cost mm. uh, as to acquire a customer into the program, and and that that has a price, and we need to make sure that that is still a profitable acquisition, mm. and that uh, that we have a nice offer in place for that customer once that customer uh, decides to move on to something else, or is not pleased, or finds it outside of its season, so on. Uh, one uh, a colleague of mine said to me that. Uh, his wife was actually uh, in a um, solarium uh, subscription. And during summer where she would typically turn it off, mm. they would keep her on for just five bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And if she even used it every second month, it would be a brilliant business. Um, that uh, that colleague of mine told that the wife was still on that subscription for the solarium, uh, mm. even though she didn't use it because it's just easier to hang on to a system, which she didn't use and she didn't actually cost any money. So that's that's fruit for thought and for my company, for my uh, category in some markets, again, for the new subscription director to work with. Indeed, indeed. And what I think is really nice as well, I suppose, about that level of, as you said, maybe 35% of your business really being, you know, an ideal um, framework to, to, to aim for. That's, I think, is very reassuring as well, because I know you have a lot of franchise operated businesses in various markets as well, Lars. So a lot of decision makers, I guess, who need to be reassured that this is going to be, you know, profitable and incremental, as you said, with cross-sell and upsell and not something that would dilute something that they would have got anyway. No, and, and we we got all the uh, the data to support that this is actually growing our business, <clears throat> and it's not. Uh, we see cannibalization. I would be lying not saying we don't, but uh, we do. Uh, but the upside of the subscription program is really uh, by far uh, much higher than the cannibalization. And mm. we run reports, uh, and we got an online tool which is quite uh, unique. We can see every user how many times a month a day. Uh, per market, per site. We Mm. can slice and dice the data. And of course, we can also see customers who are not using their subscription at all and just keep on paying. I read another book when I was getting myself introduced to this uh, very interesting topic. That that author said, if you haven't uh, communicated with your customer within the first three months of a subscription, you better not start doing it. You just shut up and, and just let the customer have his own life because if you communicate with the customer after three months no matter what the customer will be be aware of the subscription and start questioning whether this is a a fair spend of money i'm not sure actually i agree with that at the end i'm going to test that hypothesis more uh, when i get my resources in place very shortly and then i'm going to see if i can because because Actually, I wouldn't like customers to find out that they've been paying for something for years that they've never used. I would rather make mm. them aware of the service and 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 prompt them to come and visit us because yeah. there's so much uh, in in our locations and just cars. There's other facilities. Sure. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right, and and certainly as a consumer, Lars 
you know, to me, if I haven't heard from a brand um, and then suddenly they start communicating, you know, it's it's just a little frustrating, you know, it's like mm. you had the opportunity and you missed it. So you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, you need to be adding value um, as, as much as possible and reminding people. Um, and certainly I've, I believe that Netflix, for example, has a policy of automatically cancelling subscriptions on behalf of people who are not consuming content, um, which I think is quite a, a big decision, quite controversial. But um, they literally have this idea that, you know, that there's absolutely no point. And I believe it's quite a small margin, actually. I think we all know once you start subscribing to Netflix, you probably do consume a lot. Um, but just to have these kind of dummy people who are not realizing mm. or they've forgotten about it, it's actually mm. not good energy. So as you said, no. you're better off kind of getting them engaged so they do get the yeah. value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you've got the whole trade-up business, which is something that we like to focus more on and that we have seen very promising results. I mean, the, the whole trade-up business is 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 interesting. Mm. Uh, how can you trade up per 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 visit? How can you trade up per monthly plan? Mm. And and even we see other plans coming in with half-year plan or whole year plans. I mean, what, mm. what's the limit here? I think this is so it's very interesting. Uh, um product that that can be used in many ways and shapes and forms and and yeah. uh, we, we certainly see that uh, we we did a very nice study where we uh, we offer a, a very nice uh, very good product which we call max protection our own brand a very hot wax tool uh, yeah. to the vehicle and and then when we ask our customers even at, at our top wash, would mm. you like to add more max protection, which is they already buy max protection. Would you like to add more max protection? Yeah. Uh, we, uh, the customer says, yes, of course. And then they will uh, ask for another round of that. And wow. and in the past, you would say, if, if you if you purchase the best wash with everything, whistle and bells and everything, yeah. uh, there's no way you're going to get them to, uh, to buy more on top of the best wash. But we proved them wrong, and they actually they like to get more max protection, more wax. On. Wow! So it's only the sky which is the limit. And if you don't ask, then you don't get uh, the no or, or the yes, right? Uh, you gotta yeah. ask, but you gotta ask only so many times, otherwise you offend people. Yes. And I love that you picked up on that point, Lars. You've reminded me of one of my previous guests, and I always used to ask about favorite loyalty statistics. And it was a statistician from Australia. And he literally told me, you know, the assumption by loyalty professionals is that the biggest opportunity is, I suppose, in those mid-tier customers. So to your point, they mightn't have bought the top package. So our assumption is that's where we can drive more profitable behavior. But yeah. what Adam actually said to me is, you know, it is the top tier of customers that will always have the appetite and be the most likely to, again, um, you know, convert even higher and buy more from you. And that's something I think that we just assume isn't possible. But as you said, the sky's the limit. Well, I can't take credit for that because that was this, uh, the same CMO, Kevin Lewis, who said oh. that to me. What are you offering? What are you offering to your best paying customers? Yeah. And that made us as a team think about what to do. And then we added the extra Mac protection. And yes, he was so right. So this is just so cool to see things uh, come to fruition, uh, actually, and, and happen just in front of you. And, and you actually push to something that you would have thought never would have happened, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to give a, a quick credit. It was Adam Scaffer, um, who's now based in London, actually. So I'll make sure to link to him in the show notes if anybody does want more insights, because definitely I'm using his brain power right there. So I'm glad it's something you've seen and shared. And well yeah. done to Kevin Lewis as well on bringing those insights into Circle K. So my final question then, Lars, is um, secrets to success. And, you know, it's probably, you know, we've touched on a couple of things already. I think you've been very clear that um, no one size fits all. Um, I think the continuous learning is something that I'm hearing coming through in terms of your work Um, and obviously that geographical piece as well. So, you know, to make sure that you do factor in the the behavior that is going to be so dramatically different, as you said, you know, Denmark to the US was triple. And then I think you said a multiple of six for car wash customers in Canada. So those are incredible insights and learnings. Are there any other things that you think are important for anyone listening when they're thinking about particularly subscription type loyalty? I, one of my uh, one of my sayings is uh, from the day that we supposedly put a man on the moon, the sky is the limit. <laughs> and and uh, and I'm not a big uh, uh, conspiracy theorist, but uh, supposedly we had a person up there. And from that day on, everything was, to my opinion, uh, possible. So test, learn, fail, fail fast, move on. Yeah. Uh, there is there is no end to this. Uh, there are versions. There are there are not one size fits all, and it's just go out and kill it because if you don't, someone else will. Well, perfect words to close on. So listen, it's been an extraordinary conversation. I have learned so much. So I want to say a huge thank you to Lars Hecht, Global Lead Category Director for Car Wash at Circle K. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Loyalty People, a global strategic consultancy with a laser focus on loyalty, CRM, and customer engagement. The loyalty people work with clients in lots of different ways, whether it's the strategic design of your loyalty program or a full service, including loyalty project execution. And they can also advise you on choosing the right technology and service partners. On their website, the Loyalty People also runs a free global community for loyalty practitioners. And they also publish their own loyalty expert insights. So for more information and to subscribe, check out theloyaltypeople.global. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.